He has spoken on the topics faith, family and freedom in Cuba, Belgium, Brazil, Congo, UK and all over the USA to crowds from 14 to 40,000. Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. You know, one of the fun things about conversations, about public speaking, about just the way we use linguistics is understanding that we have the power to change a lot by the words that we choose to use. I want to give you a little example here. Can Stitch say goodbye? Yes. Thank you. Who are you? This is my family. Family? I found it all on my own. It's little and broken, but still good. Yeah, still good. Now I have to tell you, out of all the various cartoons that I watched while my kids were growing up, there weren't many of them that made me laugh and cry at the same time, but that scene right there made me giggle and cry at the same time. Yep, I, I had to ask myself, how is it possible that this little alien who was created one of one, there are no others like him, they broke the patent when he was gone, but when he showed up on Earth in that little place, he found Ohana. It means family. And family is good. That means no one is left behind or forgotten. See, that's, that's a narrative. And that's what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. By the way, in case you're curious, yes, I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And it dawns on me that just like in that little clip, we have people who have different understandings of meanings, definitions. Well, they change over time. And sometimes the meaning that changes is by itself a narrative. To take the definition of a word or <clears throat> the common understanding of a word, like, I, I don't know, something random like, what is a woman? What is a vaccination? What is inflation? Yeah, in the last couple of years, the core definitions of those words as they're used in public have all changed. And as we saw from our little cartoon friend, even the definition of family has been brought to question. What is a family? But we also know that there are some organizations that are totally determined to do away with the nuclear family. They don't like it as it is because it represents something horrible to them. Well, would you look at Stitch's family and consider that a bad thing? So I, I decided I would go back to some original sourcing as far as I'm concerned. This is the uh, Webster's Dictionary. You can see it's quite old and fragile. This is the 1959 version of Webster's Dictionary. And, and I, I just want to bring three words forward to you in their definition. These are the three words that are the core narrative of my life. Everything that I am, everything that I'm about starts and revolves and spins around these three words. Maybe you've heard me say them before. Uh, if not, you'll hear them on the outro. Here's the first definition. This is on page 346 of the 1959 version of the Webster's Dictionary. Funny though, it says right there on it, it's the Webster's New American Dictionary in 1959. 
uh, says faith. Faith is religious belief, a doctrine believed. Number two, trust and confidence in another. Number three, fidelity or loyalty. And number four, honesty, as in good faith. The next definition I want to read to you is family. Family. A group composed of parents and children, a household group, a tribe or a clan, lineage, a classification of animals or plants larger than a genus, but less than an order. Hmm. Family. So, would Stitch be family? And the last one is the definition, again, according to the 1959 Dictionary. Freedom. The state of being free. Independence. Liberty. Lack of restraint or abuse of familiarity. A synonym would be liberty. Freedom means the absence of restraint. Liberty is freedom from previous restraint. We value our freedom of speech in America. Prisoners are set at liberty. An antonym would be bondage, captivity, or slavery. Right out of the dictionary, I'm not making these words up. I'm not making up the meanings of them. But I want you to understand that when we talk about leading the narrative, part of what we're talking about is the constant bombardment of causing people to question what they believe by causing them to question or misuse the meaning of a word. Now, I often encounter people who are public speakers, and as public speakers, they throw out big words to make themselves sound intelligent, educated, or important, and often they misuse those words. They misuse them sometimes intentionally. Sometimes it's a turn of phrase. It's, a, it's meant to be a joke. Let me give you an example. One of the stories that I tell is about a picnic in the park where my two boys had an encounter with a new-to-the-family uncle because he'd just married into the family. But when I describe the scene, I say, we had watermelon, we had ice cream, we had cakes, we had ants, and some uncles too. Well, that's an intentional play on the word because when you're in the park and you have watermelon and cake and ice cream, you're probably going to have some little crawly ants that want to come and share your food with you. It's the norm, especially when you have toddlers and they're dropping watermelon seeds and juice and ice cream everywhere. You're going to have ants. But I also follow that pause and then say, and uncles too. And when I spoke on a stage in Miami to an entire a group of, that was almost entirely uh, Latino, and in that group there were some who were bilingual, but most were not, my interpreter on the stage heard me when I got to the phrase, Ants, she used the word for bugs, and the audience laughed. Some of them laughed longer and louder because when I paused and followed up with uncles, she tried to backtrack. She's like, oh, no, not the bugs, the mujeres, the, the women. And then the audience really laughed. And so translating it from English to Spanish was even funnier than just speaking it straight out. But see, that's a... That's a control of the narrative. It's a play on words. It's intentional misplacement or misintention of the word. I'm, I'm leading you down a path to create a funny by going the other direction. In, in comedy, they'd say that's A, B, 3. The punchline is when what you expected doesn't happen. In comedy, there's a reason for doing that. In manipulation, there is as well. Now, I don't know if maybe you've seen it, but there are there are some political bureaucratic 
verbal tap dances around things like, I don't know, the southern border of the United States right now that seems to have a, a sieve-type problem. But when we were asked by our Homeland Security Secretary, the person who's supposed to be in charge of security, securing the sieve, uh, making sure that the border remains safe and the small cities that are there remain safe. Uh, what he said was, we don't have an immigration problem, but I do see an issue with irregular migration. That's a play on words. Is, is there a different meaning between illegal immigration and irregular migration? Well, is it just a play on words? Or is it the beginning of seeding of an entirely different narrative? Do you understand what I'm asking there? See, as leaders, we've got to be sharp enough to understand that these turns of phrases are not simplistic. They're intentional. They're crafted. They're written into the story. They're written into the speech. They're written into the answer to begin to cause you to hear something you hadn't heard before until it becomes so commonplace that it becomes your language. And as it becomes your language, you repeat the idea without any real understanding of what the meaning is. Rodi Bauckham says it well when he talks about social justice. He said, if you know the origin of the meaning, not the coined phrase, not the turn of phrase, but the meaning of social justice, if you know where that came from, you're probably not going to agree with its philosophy. It sounds good. It's like putting a chrome paint job on a pile of dog poo. The chrome paint job looks really, really good, but it's still dog poo underneath. There are some philosophies in the world that have been labeled with a moniker that seems wonderful. But what's inside is disastrous. In languaging, that is a very important thing to catch on to. It's very important that we as leaders are astute enough in our own language, whatever your language is, to catch on to these little turns of phrase, these little slights. I was sharing a video with some friends from the Congo yesterday, and I had to play it three or four times because there was an intentional reference to an individual, but they didn't say the individual's name. Instead, they used a very sideways moniker that if you don't know the reference of the moniker and the individual, you would never catch on to what that is. Now, some would call that a dog whistle. Well, it was an intentional dog whistle. It was an intentional slight to that individual. But you've got to be astute enough to catch that in a 30-second television ad to be able to understand what it is they're really trying to say and who they're actually talking to and who they're talking about because that's a big deal. See, here's some of the little seeds that we need to understand as leaders and communicators that if we're not careful, we get caught up in these turns of phrase because they seem clever. They seem intelligent. And here's the truth. I don't mean to insult you, but yeah, I do. If you're picking up on phrases because they sound like they're common in the, in the common culture and, and everybody's using it, and well, it just sounds intelligent to use that phrase. If you're using a phrase that sounds clever, common, repeated in the culture, and you don't know what it means, there's a word for you. It's called pedantic. Take the time to look that one up. Because as a leader, you should be responsible for the words that you're using and their meaning. As a communicator, you're responsible for the words that you're using and their meaning. 
and also the impact they have on the people around you. When I talk about faith, family, and freedom, I am in line with, in my emotional attachment to, my vernacular attachment to, my expression of what I just read to you from the foundations, and we could probably go back further. I think I've got an older dictionary than that. I'll have to look. I thought I had one from the 20s. I'll have to see if I can find that one. The oldest definitions of faith, family, and freedom. Those are foundation. They're core values for me and core values for a lot of people that I know in America. And I believe they are core values that a lot of people would say, I, I agree with those core values. I just have never been able to really put my finger on it or I've never expressed it in quite that way. When I talk about leading the narrative, a large portion of what I'm talking about is let's get our language, our conversation back, our ideas back to the core values that make us who we are as people. Not to be pushed back and forth between our own identities where we lose control of who we are, our relationship to the people who matter to us. I adore being called Poppy. By all 10 of the little people who have called me Poppy in my life, I adore it. When I walk in their room and they run across the room and yell Poppy. When my wife tells me, yeah, I went to see them while you were at work and they ask, where's Poppy? Oh, my heart lights up with that. But see, Poppy is a direct relationship phrase to family. And without family, there would be no Poppy. Poppy is a rank or a position, if you will. It just means that I'm the father of their mother or father. Simple as that. But it's a title that I hold with great value. It means a lot to me. But so does dad. And so does friend. And so does brother. And when I went to visit a friend of mine who's a retired pastor yesterday from the Congo, and I sat in his living room, and upon arrival, I received a hug from his son and from him and from his wife. And we chatted for almost two hours. We had a great time just catching up and, and visiting together. And I realized that too is family because he would call me brother. And they will refer to me with the same sense of honor that my grandchildren do. And see, if that, if that doesn't light you up, the idea that we can have a relationship with family that don't even look alike, like Lilo and Stitch. It's small and it's broken, but it's still good. I have friends all over the world who would call me family, who would call me brother, who would call me uncle. I get messages on a regular basis from people who watch this podcast. They listen to the audio of these videos through the streaming resources. They watch it on Liftable TV or World Trumpet TV or OBBM. And when they watch the videos and they hear my conversation, I get messages from London and from Pakistan and from India and from Nigeria. And they say, hey, dad or uncle, can, can you help me with this question? Sometimes they just want to chat, literally. They just want to WhatsApp back and forth for an hour or two. And I do it when I can. But see, the, the values that I hold dear of faith, family, and freedom they permeate everything that I do and everything that I say. And when someone approaches me and says, can you be family to me? I'm going to be really hard pressed to say no, because it's something that I value highly. 
Now, that doesn't mean we always agree. And just like the family I was biologically born with, that doesn't mean we always get along, but it does mean they will never be forgotten or left behind. Because that's what family means. If you're a soldier, you know what that means as a veteran. If you're a first responder, you know what that means as a policeman or a firefighter. If you have a group of people, community, that surround you, that share your beliefs, that hold dear what you hold dear, then you understand what family means. If you have faith that you can honestly trust them to make good decisions and be sincere and honest with you, to be loyal to you. And if you have the freedom to express those things without restraint, you've got a lot. A lot more than you could ever deposit in your bank. A lot more than you could ever spend at the Gucci store. I, I was baffled the other day when I was in a pawn shop. I buy a lot of camera gear in pawn shops because it's cheaper than the retail market. But I, I bought a camera lens and I noticed behind the counter, you know, in the secured area, above the watches, on the wall where you couldn't reach it from the counter side, there was a, a price tag hanging. It said $250. But it's stuck on something so small that literally the price tag hit it. And I said, what is the nothing that's behind the $250 price tag? She said, oh, it's a Gucci purse. It's about this big. I said, that's funny because most of the people who would buy that purse here wouldn't have enough cash to carry around to make it worth more than the purse. People would steal the purse for the value of the purse, not the value of the contents. She laughed out loud and she said, I think that was the case for the person who pawned it in the first place. My friends, if, if you're investing your resources in what looks like rich, when your core values are being called to question your faith, family, and freedom, you've fallen into a narrative that you can fake it until you make it. It's just not true. When I say lead the narrative, I want you to understand that what I mean is to be concise in your language, to be precise in your language. Don't throw in a lot of words that don't mean anything extra, that don't add any value. And know that the words that you're using mean what you think they mean. That word, you keep using it. I don't think it means what you think it means. Take the time to do the research on the words that you use. Understand the words that are being used by people who are talking to you especially if there's a little hint that they might be talking down to you. They may be in the process of re-educating you or questioning what you believe. Don't fall for it, my friends. Lead the narrative in your own life. I'm just... Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.